So as you can see in uh, above, the title for today's sermon is Bearing Hope and Bringing Hope to Bear. And I welcome your comments and your thoughts about how, how you do this in your context. Whatever context you're in, how do you bear hope? And how do you bring hope to bear in your context? So feel free to share those in the comments throughout this time. And I'm going to start off here by reading us a bit of scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 9. Listen to these words. The Apostle Paul writes, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made God's light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in Jesus. And listen to this part. But we carry this treasure in jars of clay. We carry this treasure in jars of clay made of hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen. There was one more thing uh, Fran said. But we carry this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We hear the voice of God in the reading of these sacred words. Thanks be to God. So um, how many of you, after hearing those verses, are singing that uh, old Daryl Evans song, I'm Trading My Sorrows, <laughs> right now? Yeah, me too. That's still in my head. Uh, but I'm going to keep it on the inside because I want to retain at least a little touch of dignity and respect during this time. Oh, Fran said I forgot carbon. I knew it was something. I knew it was something. Um, so we've been talking about hope during this year's Easter season. Yes, Easter is a season. It's not just a single day filled with chocolate and bunnies and eggs. Those are all good things. But it's more than that. It's a prolonged meditation on the resurrection story and what resurrection looks like in our lives today. A prolonged meditation. I am of the belief that resurrection isn't only something that happened 2,000 years ago or something that we hope we will experience one day in the future. Resurrection is something that we participate in every single day. Every time we show up, when it would be easier to hide. Every time we say no to exploitative relationships. Every time we say no to life-stealing addictions. Every time we take a risk to love or to create or to bring wholeness and health to our world. Every time we uh, determine to practice hope in a world that commodifies and profits from hopelessness. These are the times that we are practicing resurrection. Our series this Easter season has been entitled Hard Won Hope. And the idea is that sometimes we have to be scrappy. We have to be creative. We have to be downright stubborn and refuse to let go of our hope. And your hope might indeed be hard won these days. 
the verses that I just read from 2 Corinthians have been on my mind for the past week and on my heart for seven or eight days now. They actually came to me as I sat amidst personal and collective grief and unspeakable pain a week ago at little Ezra Leshber's funeral. It was a distinctively Christian funeral with the full range of human emotions present. There was profound sadness, there was grief, there was anger, there was gratitude, there was hope, and there was everything in between. I say it was a distinctly Christian funeral because the overarching theme and message was that of hope. The overall message was the Christian hope that this is not the end. The overall message was that tragedy doesn't win the day. The overall message was that God gets the final word, that God is Alpha and Omega, or before everything and after everything. And I, I tend to forget how powerful this is, and that it's a treasure that, like our scriptures say, God has placed in us, in these jars of clay that we are, just like the scriptures say. So I thought I would just share uh, three brief thoughts about our hope this morning. Just check in the comments to see if there's somebody I need to reply to on anything. Y'all are having a good talk. A good talk. Okay, good. I'm glad y'all are getting something out of all this while I'm while I'm preaching. Um, so the first point I want to make about hope is that our hope is our Christian hope is an unexpected and unearned gift that we get to bear in this world, and that we get to bring to bear on the world around us. It's a unique mission and calling and gift and responsibility that we have as the people of Jesus. Our hope's origin is not in human calculation and deduction and the scientific method. Our hope's origin is not in law. Our hope's origin is not from some royal proclamation or some other hierarchical institution that forces it down on us. Our hope's origin is in the resurrection story of Jesus and the innumerable accounts of resurrection that we see and we participate in every single day. It is a grace, which is to say, we can't muscle it into being. We can't grit our teeth enough to make this hope exist. Instead, it comes to us as an unexpected gift, something we don't deserve or even ask for. It's like manna that falls from heaven. It's new every morning for us to go out and to collect, and it brings to life anew our bodies and our minds and our spirits. Our hope is different from the hope described in the psychological research that I've read about hope, where hope is defined as how empowered one feels that they can navigate pathways to accomplish desired goals. That's not a bad definition of hope. It basically says that Hope is the product of when we can see a way to accomplish what we want, but this psychological definition of hope isn't exactly the same as Christian hope. One of my favorite quotes about hope says that hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. This is a quote from St. Augustine, 
a fourth century Christian theologian, Hope has two beautiful daughters, anger and courage. I love this. I like it so much, in fact, I literally have it written on the wall in my home here. But it too falls a little short of the full Christian hope, the distinctively Christian hope that I was experiencing a week ago and the hope that this community speaks about and tries to embody is different. There's this element of mystery to it, like a treasure placed in a jar of clay. It doesn't exactly make sense to our rational minds, which may be why Jesus says it's so hard for the rich to enter into God's resurrection life. It's paradoxical and nonsensical. It's an unexpected place to find something so rare and so powerful in these jars of clay. In his book, Dignity, Chris Arnade, he, the author, he describes the two Americas of our time. He says there is front row America, which is the America that is filled with those who sat on the front row of classrooms and then they went on to get the right education and then they got into the right jobs and they're doing pretty well, especially during this pandemic pandemic where, uh, I said pandemic, pandemic because they can pop open their laptops and they can keep on working and everything is really going pretty well for front row America. And he says, but there's also a second kind of America that exists right alongside it and that's back row America, which is the America that didn't play the education game right and didn't get into the good colleges because um, maybe they didn't have the right grades or maybe they didn't have the right connections or maybe they didn't have the right amount of money or the right lineage they come from, whatever it may be. Um, but this is back row America and they don't have access to all the privileges that front row America does. It's a really good book. I mean, I, I encourage you to read it. But Arnaid is a self-described atheist who thought that when he started going into all these communities of back row America, he, he left his Wall Street bond trading job and he said, I'm just going to go to all the places in America that I'm not supposed to go to and I just want to get to know people and learn about what keeps them going. And he was so sure that when he did that, he was going to find many people who thought like he did as an atheist. He thought he would find rampant atheism, is what he says, among back row America because of the amount of suffering they experience, because of the way that they have been left behind by so much of society. And he was surprised because instead he found profound hope and faith. He found the embodiment of these verses we're looking at today that say, we're pressed, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. He found a kind of hope that includes, but it transcends anger and courage. It includes, but it transcends how empowered one feels to navigate pathways to accomplish desired goals. He found this unexpected gift from God placed in very earthen vessels. Most of, his, most of his subjects, and there's wonderful pictures in, there's pictures somewhere in here, pictures in here as well. Most of the people he interviewed and that, of course, they agreed to be a, a part of this, uh, most of them are drug addicts. Almost all of them are. I, I don't know that I've come across one yet that isn't. These are very earthy vessels, but they contain this incredibly deep hope 
of God, this treasure that God is going to be with them and protect them and take care of them because, honestly, what else do they have, they would say. There is nothing else that, that I have. So there's this deep treasure within them. Front row America, where most of us live, uh, we don't really know what to do with that kind of hope. But it's the manna from heaven for back row America. So my encouragement, real quick, is if we can get past all of perhaps their red Make America Great Again hats, I think we could learn something from this hope that they embody in back uh, row America. My second point is that Christian hope turns the world upside down. Or really, I should say, it turns the world right side up. Our hope leads us to work for resurrection in this world, turning it right side up. Our gospel, or our good news, is the hope that what we see with our physical eyes is not all that there is and all that will be. We bear the hope that systems can be transformed. We bear the hope that the last and the least and the marginalized will be the first and the greatest and the centered. We bear the hope that the pharaohs of our time, those who poison the earth with carbon and chemicals and plastic, those who destroy forests and oceans and ecosystems, those who uphold and maintain systems of white supremacy and male supremacy and violence supremacy, that all these pharaohs will be cast into the ocean by God. We bear the hope that God is going to deal with all those who claim godhood for themselves, all those who claim to have unassailable power, all those who exercise power over others rather than power with others. We trust that God is going to deal with them. We bear this hope that God is bringing the world to life, that God is turning the world right side up, and we join with God to bring it to bear on the world around us. In fact, <clears throat> while those around us are being good economists and they're trying to maximize for efficiency or maximize for pleasure or maximize for the bottom line profit or maximize for freedom and wealth, we are a community in partnership with God trying to maximize for resurrection. We do that in innumerable ways as teachers, as healthcare workers, as therapists, in mundane settings like HEB, uh, at State Farm, at construction sites. It doesn't matter where it is. We bear hope and we bring it to bear on the world around us, whatever the setting, working for resurrection, working alongside God to turn the world right side up. My third point is that when God decided to place that treasury of hope into clay vessels like us, like me and you, God said there is something holy and worthy and admirable and beautiful and divine about clay. There is something holy about this combination of, let's see if I can remember, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, Heather, Heather told me. There's something holy about this combination. Here at Peace, we have a decidedly positive view of our very earthly, earthy bodies. Some churches would say that bodies are evil and there's nothing good in them and I can't wait to get away, get out of this body and go to my true home in heaven and this thing is filthy and it's not good and they read the Apostle Paul 
in that way, and I think they misunderstand the Greek word sarks or flesh, uh, but they would say there's nothing good. And here at peace we say, these bodies, no. These earthy vessels, these jars of clay, there's something holy about these things. We, we reject that other kind of doctrine that would say the body is bad. And we would say, no, God has filled this with God's spirit and God's image, and it's holy. And today is a really good day to remember that. Today in the Christian liturgical year is the day that we remember Jesus' ascension into heaven. That's what today is about in the liturgical year. This is the day that we remember that Jesus carries his body of clay into the eternal. This uh, very positive view of the body that we carry is really, it's a really old disagreement among Christians. In the early centuries of the Christian faith, there was this big fight about the humanity of Jesus. They wanted to know, was he really human? Some said yes, some said no, he didn't really have a human body. Some said, you know, we believe he was divine, but was he really human with a real human body with all of its frailties and smells and liquids and solids and just all the stuff that goes with it? And the answer that the church settled on was that whatever Jesus does not take into himself and onto himself does not get redeemed, does not get made holy. And so they decided, the church decided collectively that Jesus took every part of humanity onto himself. He was fully human. Um, he took all of the clay parts of who we are and he made them holy, filling every single atom of the human body with God. There's something holy about these earthen vessels. And this should really, it should lead us to see that everything that we do to nourish bodies is holy hope work. Whether it's breastfeeding, whether it's loading cars at the Round Rock Area Serving Center, whether it's creating policies that help protect life, whether it's cultivating new neural pathways in our brains through education and doing that for others and doing that for ourselves, whether it's teaching jujitsu to your daughter, all of this is holy work because our bodies are holy gifts. This should also lead us to a robust ecology and a robust eco-theology. It should lead us to a robust social justice concern for all humans. This should lead us to a radical pro-life theology and practice, not, not where we only care about humans while they're still in the womb, but we also care about humans when they're outside the womb, from birth all the way through death. This should also lead us to a special concern for those bodies that suffer disproportionately in our world, such as in Texas, where black mothers have a maternal mortality rate that's two to four times higher than white mothers. And even though they make up 11% of the births in our state, they account for nearly 30% of all women in Texas who die from pregnancy-linked pregnancy complications. You see, God putting God's treasure into jars of clay, like me and you and all of us, it makes all bodies holy, all clay holy. And the work, all the work, however it is that you do to nourish these earthy bodies of ours is also holy hope work. And I'm incredibly grateful for the way that this community does that work. I know we do it imperfectly. I do it very imperfectly. 
I know we mess things up, we miss the mark, we misstep, we speak and work for and live our hope imperfectly, but nevertheless, we still speak and work for and live it, believing those Leonard Cohen lines that I put in your guide today, ring the bells that still can ring, forget your perfect offering, there is a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in. Believing our scriptures that say God has placed God's treasure in earthen vessels like me and you and all of us. So my dear co-conspirators for the earth's wholeness, my dear co-conspirators to bear hope and bring hope to bear on the world around us, may you never stop doing this work of being hope bearers. It is a radical act of worship and subversion which are two of my favorite ways of bearing hope with you all. I hope you have a wonderful week and I welcome your continued thoughts about how you are bearing hope in this world. I don't wanna engage with them right now. I'm going to let Aurelia jump on and conclude our service, but I'll take a look at those soon. My peace to you all, love you all.